rebellion at this time. I'm talking about the one that called you and I out of that darkness and into this marvelous light that we stand in today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost in this place this evening. Sweet, sweet presence of God in this place. I want to go to the Word of God tonight. I want to go to the book of Luke, the 14th chapter. I want to start in verse number 15. While you're turning there, I want to give honor to Brother Stevenson. I appreciate my pastor and his wife and family. Amen. We love our pastor and his family. I want to give honor to each one of you as well, my church family. I love each and every one of you dearly. I appreciate you. One standing alone doesn't accomplish much, but when we come together in unity in one mind and one accord, we can accomplish great things. Luke, the 14th chapter, verse number 15. I want to read down through verse number 24. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges. And compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of these men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. I just want to talk to you from my heart tonight. For the next little while on, on this subject, just being a witness. Just being a witness. If you would, put your Bibles down. Let's lift our hands towards heaven. God, we thank you and we praise you, Lord. We thank you and magnify your name for this presence that we feel in this place this evening, Lord God. God, I pray that you would let this word go forth and anoint each and every one of us in this place so it falls and, and, and enters into our hearts and our minds and the depths of our souls, Lord God, that we can have taken it and apply it to our lives, Lord, as we go through each and every day. Lord, we glorify you and we praise you in your most precious name, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. When we come to church, it's so 
we as the saints of God can be refilled, rejuvenated, get full. Well, why would we need to get refilled? Because if we're doing what God called each and every one of us to do, during the week we are giving of ourselves. And as we give of ourselves, we become deplenished. And so we come to church and we get refilled. And if there was ever a day and an hour that we need to spread this gospel, it's now. I have never seen the world like we have seen it, and I know that you have not as well. It, for a long time, I've had a burden for the lost. For a very long time. And as time has progressed, it seems like in the recent past that burden has just gotten heavier and heavier and heavier. I feel now an urgency like I've never felt before to spread this, to tell people, to, to plead with them, to, to try every way possible and every tactic that I possibly can to try to get them to come to this truth that we hold dear. And, and I hate to say it, but I think, unfortunately, there's times we take it for granted. We, 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 we see so much of it. We're, we're so consumed with it. And yet we assume that those out there are the same way, but I'm, I'm here to tell you they're not. We all have different gifts and talents and abilities and and we're supposed to use each and every one of those for the kingdom of God and I know that each one of us have different callings and different areas of, of the ministry and that's fine but one thing that we are all on equal playing ground is we all have been called to witness every single one of you. If, if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, if you've been baptized in his name, that qualifies you right there. You, you are a witness from that time forward. And it is our responsibility to, to go and spread this. And, and, and you don't have to be some theologian to be able to share this goodness. We, I think we have the preconceived notion that you know, when, when we receive the Holy Ghost and are baptized in his name that, you know, we, we are to, before we go out and just spread and share and, 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 and put this gospel to other people that we have to be so educated that we can quote scriptures without even opening the Bible. And, and, and you don't have to have all of that. That will come in time. The fact that you have been saved that you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, that you've been baptized in his name. If nothing else, you have a testimony of what God brought you from and where you're at right now. So if you can't do nothing but tell them Acts 2.38, and let me tell you what God did for me, do that. When we look at our text we see this, this parable that Jesus is, is teaching. He starts off and he tells us that he bade many. This was, this was an invitation. 
a general invitation was given. It was given to the whole nation and people of the Jews originally. This was what he was or who he was originally speaking with was the, the Jews, God's chosen people. And he sent his servant out. And this was at supper time to say that to them that were invited, those, those Jews for, you know, it's, it's ready now. You can come on. And that supper time, it, it, it had some meaning beyond what we, we see as it is right now. That was at the end of the day. The work was finished at that point. It's time we go sit at the master's table, and this is where we're going to eat. But then we see as he goes out and and tell those that were invited the excuses went to going forth. The reasons why why I can't, why I can't come, they, they weren't even really good excuses. I mean, the first one he talks about that, you know, I've done, purchased a piece of ground and I've, I've got to go look at it. Well, I don't know of anybody that purchases a piece of ground and doesn't go look at it first, number one. And it just doesn't make sense. You know, the next thing, you know, he's got a, he's got some oxen. He's got five of those and he wants to go try them out and see how good they are. That's about the equivalent of you going to the dealership and buying a car and never test driving it. It makes no sense whatsoever. Then you have this third one, and I guess if anybody had an excuse that might not have been so dumb, it would have been this one. You know, I've just gotten married. I can't come. Well, I mean, in that point in time, it actually was a law that when you got married, the man didn't have to go to war or anything for the first year. He got to take care of his family, you know, his wife and, and so forth. So, I mean, it, it, he was close, but he still didn't have a justified excuse. No, he didn't have to go to war, but he wasn't being called to war. So nevertheless, he, he gives his excuses and What I relate these scriptures for is the church that has reached a point of complacency. Complacency is probably the worst place that a saint of God could be. You get in that rut, it's, it's just a point of going through the motions, going through the routine. Nothing changes, nothing grows. That complacency runs into disbelief, and then doubt starts flowing in, and and then the excuses start flying of why I can't do this and that. Uh, you know, it's it's just not my personality to to go out and talk to people. Well, I can go ahead and tell you, I can relate. 
because it goes against my grain to have to do such as that because by nature and personality, I am not a person to just go up to random people and start talking. I'm just being transparent. Do I do it? Yes. But it does not come natural. It, it, is, it is, goes beyond my comfort zone. But I don't read anywhere in here where God called anybody to be comfortable. We, we have to reach beyond our comfort zone. If it's not your personality, okay, I get that, but you're going to have to come out of that. You've got to force yourself. You've got to make yourself. And so I, I, I do relate to, to that. But when the excuses start flying, you've reached a point in your complacency where, where it's, it's dangerous and it's, it's scary. I mean, the, the, the very backbone of, of excuses is a path, pathway to denial. Then you start denying. Excuses is just the forefront to something bigger. Now, what we need to understand is if those in this scripture, those first invited to the feast, refuse, there's still going to be a feast. It doesn't negate the fact that the feast will still happen regardless. Yep. Then we get over into verse 21 and talks about the servant came and showed his Lord these things and the master of the house being angry. He said, go out and quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the, and the halt and the blind. These are people that are in desperate need. These are people that doesn't, doesn't normally get invited to such a thing. They're, they're, they're not accustomed to it. They're, it's not that they're not willing. They're just not accustomed to be invited. And, you know, those are those that look different than us, those that are a little rough behind the edges, those that, that may be a little dirty or... You know, they don't look like we look, and they don't talk like we talk, and they don't act like we act. It, it, it gets us out of our comfort zone. Those, unfortunately, too many times we put labels on these people. We, we say, you know, that's just the town drunk. That's just an old alcoholic. That's just a, a, a dope head. I mean, we, we have labels that, that justify us of not going to those type of people because it gets us out of our, our comfort and puts us into an uncomfortable position. But I pray that each and every one of us sees those people that we've labeled with different titles that, that, that we see beyond that and we start looking through the eyes of God and then that's a soul. That's not the town drunk. That could be the future next worship leader here or that... That could be the next piano player or keyboard or drums or who knows, it may be the next preacher that gets up here and starts speaking. So God forbid that we write somebody off based upon a label or some addiction or some bad season that that person is going through at that point in time. Then we move on down to verse 22 and... Verse 23 
servant said, Lord, I've done what you've said, and yet there's still room. 23 says, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. The house will be filled. So go out into the highways and the hedges. And speaking in this point in time, it was actually originally speaking of the Gentiles. Ain't you thankful for that? That's us. That's us. We were the, the no good account, the dogs, just no good at that point in time. And thank God he extended it past the Jews to the Gentiles for you and I that we could sit here today and, and feel his presence and, and hear his word. I thank him. And I thank him. Praise God. And he said, go out and compel these to come. Compel means to literally force. Now, I'm not talking about literally bodily force, go out and drag somebody. Now, I can go ahead and tell you, I know of several personally right now that come to mind that I would like to literally go out and bodily drag to this place. Kids being some of them, amen? But what good would that do? I could bodily drag them in here, but if they don't come of their own free will, it's not going to stick. So it's not a point of bodily forcing them, but it's forcing by debate, not argument. There is a difference. It's a fine line, but there is a difference. Debating is to explain to them back and forth. You have a dialogue going back and forth with them. And you're trying to talk to them and explain to them why they need to come, the importance of they need to come, and, 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 and the importance of the hour that we're living in right now that you need to come, not, not to get in an argument, because when you get in an argument, then tempers flare, and, and that's up to no good. So if there's anything we need to do today, is reach out. We've got to reach out past our our comfort zones, and to the uncomfortable. I want to talk a little bit for the next little while on, on just different types of people that you're going to run into as, as you witness. And this, this, this is from my perspective. You may see other people that, that go beyond this list, and this is not a, a totalized list of, of everybody. But there, there are people that you may run into that know nothing. Now, these people are not real common and I could probably say that in Catahoula Parish they're probably like chicken's teeth few and far between but there still could be some and the reason why I say Catahoula Parish it's one of those unique places and you and I both know that probably per capita there's more Pentecostals in Catahoula Parish than it is anything else so I mean you can't go to the store without running into a Pentecostal, uh, it may not go here, but across the board. That's not the norm. It's not. And so when you go out beyond that, and when you're used to living in a place where you could go all week and the only time you see a Pentecostal is at church, that's where we came from. So it's, it's very, very different 
but you still could run into somebody that, that doesn't know much of, much of anything. But then you've got people that only know what they've heard. People that have really never just read the Bible, just, you know, done any studying, but, you know, they know they've got a family member or a friend that's gone to church, and they, they, they've heard a few things. They know a little bit, but they really don't have any understanding whatsoever. So, and then you've got people, and, and I guess you could call these, in, in one form or fashion, the hungry. Those are people that have hit rock bottom. Those people that, that are suffering, they, they don't really know where to turn. They're, they're desperate, and they're looking for an answer. And that's the reason why I call them hungry, because they're searching for something. And they may not know where to look, but they're searching for something. And if we're not there to help them and direct them and tell them where the answer is. You know, Jesus is the answer. We just sang about that a while ago. If we don't give them an answer, the world is going to give them an answer. And it's not going to be the right answer. But either way, they're going to get an answer. So why shouldn't it be us? Why, why shouldn't it be the people of God trying to help these suffering and, 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 and people that are struggling out? Once again, it goes beyond our comfort zone. It goes beyond just me and my little household. It, it goes beyond that. We, we've grown too accustomed, and, and I'm not throwing stones. Understand that. I, I'm not. I've, I've been in the same position. I'm preaching to you from the heart is, is what I'm doing. And I've been in situations where, that, where I was just concerned about mine. Just be honest. Sometimes we we get in that spot where, you know, my wife, my kids, my my daughter-in-law, son-in-law, grandkids. I, I, we, we get just so confined to that, and so busy with just that that we don't see beyond. You know, it it one single person, neither I nor any individual one of you, can reach this whole world. It, it's just not physically possible. But you can reach your world. They have put people in your past that it's your responsibility to reach, whether it go beyond your family, whether it be coworkers, whether it be friends, acquaintances. Uh, when we pray that God put people in our past, and he does so, that's our opportunity, and, and for us not to do so is going a very against the calling that God has placed on each one of our lives, and we're, we're basically saying to those people, without saying it, you're really just not that important. Then there's two groups of people, I would say, and this is just with my experience, people that I've witnessed to. There's two groups of people that's probably harder to win than anybody else. One group would be those that know some, some religion, some doctrine, but they don't actually know this truth. Uh, I'm talking about those that were raised a certain way, different denomination, just across the board. Uh, those that 
you know, that's what mom and daddy said. That's what grandma and grandpa always said. So that's what I stick with, you know. Those who are hung up in traditions, those people are tough. I didn't say it's impossible. I just said it's tough. It's, it's definitely a challenge. Because in a manner of speaking, and don't nobody take offense to this, but I'm just kind of, I just kind of put things out there. You almost have to convince them they're lost before you can save them. I mean, it's, it's just that way. And it's tough. It is tough. And, but what I have found out is if you find that common ground, and you can find a common ground, something that you both agree on, start there. Start there and then move forward. And then as you're, you're continuously showing them in the Word and praying that God will give them revelation, they'll start to see it. It, it, it will. And the reason why I can say so is because that's one of the people I was. I wasn't raised in this. I'm first-generation apostolic. I was not raised this way at all. Matter of fact, if you want to be real technical without putting a name on how I was raised, my uncle and my daddy was at that church right across the street. My uncle was the pastor. My daddy was the youth minister. That's how I was raised right there. So I wasn't raised in this. So I'm living proof that you can, you can show somebody this truth, and it makes a difference. It makes a difference. But then you've got that last group, and these people, I'd probably say from my experience, are probably some of the toughest ones to win. And that are those who have been hurt or offended by people from the church. Those are probably the toughest I have ever dealt with. Unfortunately, it happens. Whether intentional or unintentional, I think a lot of times it's unintentional. But nevertheless, it's the way they perceived it. Those people, I wish I could give you some great revelation, but you've just got to love them. You just kind of love them and live it in front of them and pray for them. Because they probably already know truth. So you probably can't teach them something they don't know already in a lot of times. You just got to love them. We'll go to Acts 22 and 15. And it says, For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. Now, this is where we we should excel to share things that we have seen and heard. Now this is where we get to tell of the miracles that God has done for us. This is the healings that we have seen with our own eyes. This is you know what Jesus brought you through personally where he brought you from, your, your testimony. And, and, you know, it's just, this part should get you excited. I've seen miracle after miracle after miracle, and we could be here to this time next week, and I could tell you about all of them. But everything that I've gone through, 
every miracle that I've witnessed and been a part of. At some given point in time, I was able to share that to help somebody to build their faith, to help them out through that situation that they were going through. And I say, well, you know, let me tell you, that's, op- that's a crack in the door. That's all you need. As they start to share with you those things that, that they are going through, that, that you've been through that same thing, and yet you come out the other side of it, and let me tell you what God did for me in that situation. And, and you begin to, to tell them and encourage them and, and enlighten them to something that they had no idea. They may not have known that that was even an option. I've seen hearing restored. I've seen masses that were on MRIs in chest just completely disappear. I've witnessed that. I've witnessed spines that were curved go straight. I've witnessed these things. I could show you pictures of a head-on collision to an embankment where a car flipped end over end and yet my daughter came out of it unscratched. I mean, I can tell you of so many different things and miracles, but you have your own. And those things that you have are to share with others, to encourage those, to help them through those situations. And just tell them how good God is. Any of us can witness regardless of personality styles. We all have different personality styles. I have a son that won't hush. Where did it come from? I mean, it didn't come from me because I'm just the opposite. But praise God, we're all different. If we were all the same, we'd all be boring. I mean, it takes all different types of us. But we need to get excited about the things of God. I mean, I can remember my poor old mama that, that was crippled before she passed. And when she was able to drive, when she got a close parking spot at the grocery store, everybody knew about it. Let me tell you how good God was today, and I'm expecting this just this great, marvelous, I got a close parking spot at the grocery store. And I'm thinking, but... In her mind, she was grateful for everything, and she wanted to tell everybody about even the littlest things that God did. And that's what we need to do. I mean, I thought it kind of strange, but if you think of it from her perspective, she was crippled. She couldn't walk very good, so the fact that she got a close spot, that was a God moment. And so we go to... We, I mean, it, it's, we've got to get excited about the things of God and the things going on here at our church. When you get excited about the things that go on here at this church and about how good God is and how good and what God has done in your life, it's going to spread. Fire is contagious. It spreads. And when you get excited about those things, other people are going to see that and say, Man, I need to get some of that. I need to go where they're going and, and, and do what they're doing and, and see why they're so excited. 
Acts 1 and 8 says, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. So when we receive that, that power of the Holy Ghost, that's just the beginning. That's not the ending. That's just where we start. And so we shall be witnesses unto Jerusalem, and that was locally, Judea, which was regionally. Then you go to Samaria, which there you cross cultural lines then. Sometimes crossing cultural lines makes us uncomfortable too. But we've got to get beyond that. And then into the uttermost part of the earth, that, that's everywhere else. So it's all of our jobs to do, to do this witnessing, whether it be you, you do in your little circle, in your circle of life, where you go. And if we all do that, can you imagine if every single one of us in this place reaches and witnesses to our circle, what kind of difference we would make? I wouldn't be ashamed to say that if we all did that on a regular basis, there probably wouldn't be any empty seats in this place. Isaiah 43 Verse 10 through 12 says, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved and have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, I am God. We need to understand that there are people that they don't know that there's just one God. They don't know these scriptures. They, they don't know Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. They don't know that. And it's our responsibility to share it with them. You know, don't ever think that there is anybody too far gone, too lost, are too sinful that Jesus can't help them. Do not ever write somebody off. I don't care what they've done. I don't care what lifestyle they lead. And such were some of us. So please don't ever write anybody off. Don't ever give up hope. You know, I've, I have felt in my spirit, and it hits me pretty, pretty hard because I've got some. But I have seen in this area, not, not physically, but in the spirit, I have seen a harvest of prodigals. There are so many prodigals in this parish. And I don't know every situation personally, but I can tell you what I have felt in my spirit. And it hits me hard because it hits me at my house. Because I've got some prodigals. If we just 
had a revival of prodigals, we could probably fill this place up. I have found myself praying more for prodigals, and I'm not talking about just me and mine. I'm talking about you and yours. And if we all will agree and unite and pray together, there can be a difference made. I have no doubt. If you don't try, if one tactic don't work, try something else. I used to bass fish a lot. I don't do much of it no more. But when I went to a new place, if one bait didn't work, I didn't pack up and go home. I tried something else. I tried a different tactic. I got something else if that didn't work. The same as with witnessing and, and trying to reach people. If something doesn't work, try something different. If that doesn't work, try a different way. Try a different tactic. Just do not give up on that person. You could be the only lifeline that that person has. And it is our responsibility. I don't care if you've been there 40 times. It may be that 41 time that it takes for it to jar something in their minds or their hearts or their souls to get them to come back. Don't ever give up. There, there's no cookie-cutter method of, of how you do this. It's not. You just got, number one, you got to love people. I'm going to have to stop. I got some more, but y'all stand with me tonight.